Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Today, I'm back chatting with Miss Stephanie K. She's my favorite nutritionist in the city. I should actually say she's my favorite nutritionist in the entire world. She's so great and she's back today because I want to start to break down some of the realizations I've made on the subject of food. Now, these realizations have come over multiple years of my life. I believe ever this like journey started back in like 2008 to 2009 really and this week I was actually going to start to talk about my weight loss journey which for those of you that don't know I used to weigh approximately like 230 pounds I'm uh, a a woman of uh, five foot seven stature so I was in the obese category and it's a story that I think is really very valuable and helpful for people who are struggling with their own weight and or body issues and 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 food plays the biggest role in my story however there is a subject that i wanted to you know get a little bit of backup on and that subject is sugar more specifically what it does to the body and how it's incorporated into our everyday lives and hidden and so many things that we're eating today so before i tell the story of how i lost weight which will be the subject of an up and coming podcast. Don't worry. I've asked Stephanie to come back to the show and start to break down some of the rumors and myths about sugar. So without further ado, here's a warm welcome back to the show, Miss Stephanie K. Okay, Steph, welcome back to the puzzle room. The puzzle room, (laughs) thanks for having me. To the studio, a la Elisa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so you guys, um, Stephanie K is back. She is a registered um, nutritionist. Maybe you can, is that, is that right? Am yeah, right registered that? holistic nutritionist. Okay, very yeah. good. Um, this is your second podcast with Elisa Unfiltered. It is. Yes, the first one was actually super popular. Lots of, lots of downloads. So if you haven't listened to it, um, it's, uh, it was, it was done, I think in November of 2017. And we touch on a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff. So I wanted to bring you back on the show to get more like deep, dirty, down. Deep dive. <laughs> deep, I love it. Take the deep dive <laughs> into a couple of subjects. The uh, The first one is sugar. Yes. So let, I, let, I, I actually just want to get right into this because like um, sugar is such a controversial thing. It's such a controversial topic. Um it's essentially in everything these days yeah. and um and yeah i really really want to know what your opinion is on on this uh on this one on sugar yeah i think uh um well we did talk about it a little bit last time in the last episode but uh, i think it is very controversial i also think it's very misunderstood aha uh-huh, that's uh, a good word um as opposed to i think that most people would agree sugar is not good for you like i think if you were to take a poll nine out of ten people nine out of ten dentists uh <laughs> nine out of ten people would think that i think that people are confused about the different types how they present natural sugar added sugar processed sugar people think that some are better than others throw in artificial sweeteners in there and it's just kind of this big huge area of confusion uh in general Okay, so this might seem like a ridiculous question, but like, what is sugar? Yes, great question. So sugar is technically defined as glucose. Okay. Uh, so it's the most basic form of sugar. Um, it obviously comes from fruit, from foods, excuse me. Um, and glucose is what your body functions on. 
I used the analogy in the last episode of your your body is a car. So yeah. glucose is the most basic format of sugar. It's what your body uses as its source of gasoline. Okay, so the body needs glucose, essentially, is what you're saying. Uh, yes, essentially. <laughs> There's more layers to that, but yes, for sure it does. Uh, it's just, it's what the body uses for energy. It's your source of energy. Okay, so I've heard of a lot of other ose words. We did talk about this earlier, yeah. too. Glucose, fructose, yep. moctose, <laughs> maltose, like galactose, lactose, yeah. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean? So essentially, um, the the ending OSC is any term for sugar. There's different uh, types of sugar uh, depending on where they come from. Yeah. So just to paint you a really quick picture, um, sucrose, glucose, lactose, galactose, all these different types of sugar can come from different foods. Some of them will come from straight up white sugar. Some of them will come from something like fruit. Lacto- lactose, for an ex- example, is uh, also a form of sugar found in dairy products. Mm-hmm. Um, but functionally in the body, glucose is the one that they will all break down to at the end of the day. That is your, that your body uses for energy. Okay. So sugar is also known as a carb. Yep. Okay, so sugar ha- it contains carbohydrate. Yeah, so it's ki- it's actually kind of backwards. So okay. carbohydrates are the parent, like, umbrella, if you will. Okay. Uh, and all of the different types of carbohydrates. So really quickly, grains, yeah. fruits, vegetables, then things like beans and lentils or legumes are all part of the carbohydrate category. Then once you chew it, eat it, digest it, breaks down into the body into these different forms of sugar namely glucose at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, carbs are the umbrella and all carbs turn into glucose essentially, uh, but at varying concentrations. Okay, so would sugar not be in that umbrella as like a food group because there's like honey, there's there's maple syrup, there's sugar cane, like cane sugar, like that's not a fruit, vegetable, legume. Yeah, but th- they will also, so to give you an example, fruit breaks down into, this is where it gets really layered, fruit breaks down into fructose, and right. then things like maple syrup, honey will contain some fructose, they'll also contain some sucrose. A lot of different types of carbs, if you will, contain different pairings of sucrose, fructose, lactose, galactose, they all contain um, co- different combinations. Okay, so... Talk to me about high fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup. <laughs> yeah, so this is probably, um, essentially when you use the word sugar, there's 50 to 60 to 100 different things that can actually quantify a sugar. Yeah. High fructose corn syrup is probably one of the most problematic slash popular food additives that is out there. As the name implies, it comes from actual corn, the yeah. grain. Um, and it's kind of a byproduct or a heavily, heavily, heavily processed version of corn. I mean, if I gave you a kernel of corn and told you to like chow down on it, A, it would be hard to eat. So it needs to be heavily processed in in order to turn turn it into a form of sugar. Um, but it also like, if you just ate a kernel of corn, it's not overly sweet. So high fructose corn syrup is this heavily processed product that is very high in fructose, a form of sugar, um, that is a food additive that is essentially found in everything. It's very concentrated in sugar uh, because it is so heavily processed. So, like, this might be a myth, but maybe you can talk to me a little bit about this. Like, I think there's high fruit, like, there's corn syrup or some version of that word in, like, almost everything um, these days. (laughs) Maybe not, maybe not, but, like, it's cheap. Yes. It's a cheap thing to make. So. Yes. It's in, because it is so processed. So you can take like these bushels of corn essentially and mill it all down. I don't, I've never made high fructose corn syrup, so I don't yeah. actually know the process, but break it all down into this heavily refined, overly sweet sweetener. And because it is so sweet, you only need a little bit in your soda or your granola bar or your cereal. And to your point, it is in so many different things. Yeah. Um, uh, and it is because it is so processed, it is incredibly inexpensive. Okay. So if I'm a food manufacturer, hypothetically speaking, and I'm trying to make something, my end goal is to make a profit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if I can cut costs, whatever corners I can take, oh, this high fructose corn syrup is a lot more inexpensive than actually using maple syrup, for example. Well, obviously I'm going to do that because I'm just making an extra 15 cents on every granola bar that I sell or whatever the number actually is. 
Okay. So there is like, let's get into that because um, sugar uh, is marketed so well and sugar companies have a lot of money and they sort of dispel myths Mm -hmm. in the most ludicrous ways. Mm -hmm. So right before the show, I was like talking to you about some myths and some facts that was based on a, an article that I read in Insider Magazine, which is like a pretty reputable, like, uh, magazine, I guess. And it was talking about food myths. And the first, like, essentially one was (laughs) sugar makes kids hyperactive is the myth. Yeah. And the fact that they were saying was there's no such thing as a sugar high. Right. And then it goes on to talk about how these doctors are all saying that, like, you know, it's one of the funniest myths out there and it doesn't, sugar doesn't give you that. So can you speak to that in some way? What does sugar do in the body? I mean, that's the, the list of what it does is very, very long. Uh, I think just stepping back to like if you're, if you're going to read an article like this or look at it as I think it's always interesting to your point mm-hmm. uh, to look at what the source is and who it's coming from and these quote unquote studies. Yeah. Who are this, these like studies actually funded by? But I think just like arbitrarily speaking, anyone who has eaten sugar, you have two pieces of cake, you have the whole sleeve of cookies, like you consume a, an amount of sugar, a high amount of sugar. Everyone knows that there is a reaction. We felt it. Like, yeah. I don't need someone to tell me, yes, there is or no, there isn't. Everyone has felt it. Everyone knows what that that actually uh, feels like. Sugar, obviously, there's a link to uh, uh, diet, weight, fat, obesity, all of these things, which we can totally talk about. But there is this huge connect in, connection, proven, researched, well-documented, multiple studies, like, um, well-sourced, that demonstrates that sugar not only affects your blood sugar and your weight and all that stuff, but also has a huge impact on neurotransmitters and the brain and your dopamine and your serotonin. The same way that, uh, to use an extreme example, but it does compare that drugs and alcohol give you lifts in mood and behavior and uh, mental stimulation, sugar does actually do the exact same thing. So the same way if you were to extreme example again, but also uh, relevant, have some drugs. It's going to stimulate your dopamine production, give you a high, give you a feeling. Sugar in small amounts, even more so in large amounts, has the exact same reaction on your dopamine and your brain and uh, your mental stimulation. Okay. Well, that to me totally resonates because I like when I was in denial about my diet, when I didn't want to change, I was in a bad place. And I was eating a lot of shit, a lot of sugar, a lot of carb, a lot of alcohol, whatever. I mean, I I was in full denial, 100% about what how I was feeling. And I didn't want to correlate what I was eating to how I was feeling. And we did talk about that in the last podcast too. But mm-hmm. like for me, like I would eat a bag of candy. Like I'd go to the store and buy like $10 worth of gummy bears and sugary shit and I would eat it, and I would feel so good when I was eating it. Mm-hmm. I would get a high, but I would also crash. Then I would crash. Like, i do the same. Like, I would eat a giant thing of pasta, and all I wanted to do mm-hmm. afterwards was, like, go to bed. Like, that is not the way you should be feeling after you eat. And that's not how I feel now after I eat, because mm-hmm. I, I've changed my ways, mm-hmm. essentially. So, so yeah, there. It, like, it's really interesting when people when I read articles like this and see like these facts that sugar doesn't make you feel a certain way, it's like, well, actually I know this firsthand. I experienced it myself. Yeah. I experienced it myself. And now I'm in a place where I can recognize and make those links. Whereas before I couldn't, and I would read that and be like, Oh yeah, cool. This is fine. My diet's fine. I'm eating healthy. Yeah. But really. Yeah. I mean, just look at the foods that when someone's, anyone when you're in a bad mood when you're sad when you're angry when you're stressed out what are the foods that you crave they're the sweet foods they're the pastas the refined carbs they're the pastries they're the refined breads it's all of that stuff why because it temporarily makes you feel good it it stimulates your brain it makes you feel good you get a rush of dopamine you feel amazing and it kind of suppresses momentarily all of those other thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever it was that you were dealing with. So it's, I mean, when someone's stressed, sad, happy, whatever, angry, depressed, stressed out, whatever the words are, 
it's rare they're like, oh, God, I'm going to get me a bowl of broccoli. I'm going to feel amazing. Like, those type of food. <laughs> or I'm going to eat a, I can't think of a handful of almonds. is going to be great. Like, those aren't the foods that make you feel the way that sugar or refined carbs actually make you feel. It's, okay, that is amazing. Same, same thing goes, like, on the other side. Sometimes, like, I've been able to recognize, like, if I'm having a really shitty week or I'm stressed out, I think to myself, what have I been eating mm-hmm. that's making me feel this way mm-hmm. too? So like it goes both, it goes both ways. Like the vicious cycle it perpetuates. A, it yeah. is, it is a vicious cycle. And so like that's helped me to figure out what my moderation is because I think everyone's moderation is different when it comes to like shitty food. But yeah. like I, moderation for me is like almost impossible. I have to go super clean, no sugar or, or I'm totally off the wagon. Yeah. Like, Totally off the wagon. I mean, if you think about, like, you have a bad... Someone has a bad day at work. You want to come home. You want to have a treat to temporarily make you feel better. So you eat the tub of Ben and Jerry's. And then momentarily you feel better. But then you also don't feel great after that. So then you wake up the next morning and you're probably feeling worse than you did when you originally came home. So... I don't can't be bothered to make myself a healthy breakfast. I'm going to go get the donut at the coffee shop on the way in so that I temporarily feel better on the way to work. And then at lunchtime, I feel down again. So you're on the cycle. So I'm going to go get this junk food. I'm going to go get a slice of pizza. So it just perpetuates this cycle because it's this roller coaster of hit a feeling good dopamine crash, hit a feeling good dopamine crash. Okay, so this is like touching on the whole subject of is sugar addictive? To, yeah. <laughs> to say it's not almost seems silly. Um, okay. Or for someone to try and argue argue that it's not almost So why is silly. it so controversial? I see that now. Like, I am addicted to sugar. I can say yeah. I'm addicted to sugar. I don't care what you think about that. Like, that's just yeah. what I know to be true with me. Because yeah. I've tested this. It's taken me years to figure out and finally come to accept the fact that, like, yeah, I do. When I stopped eating sugar, when I was on keto last year, yep. I had crazy headaches for weeks yeah. and weeks at a time. I was having massive cravings, similar to what it was like back in the day when I was smoking cigarettes and I quit smoking cigarettes. Yeah. It like changed me physically. Like So yeah, people now can admit that um, tobacco is addictive. It was the exact same feeling in my body yeah. to get off it. Anyone who has cold turkey cut sugar out of their diet will tell you day one, day two, day three, day four is terrible. It is right away, you know, it is addictive. Yes, there's obviously a link, but I think it's like there's a layered, a layered issue of if you've never done that or you've never tried, you don't know how bad you feel. Not that you feel terrible is what I'm implying but how not good you could feel because what you're doing right now is just so normal to you. So it's, yeah, it's normal for me to crash at three o'clock in the afternoon every day and have to go get my vanilla latte because that's just that's just what happens. And it's normal for me to wake up at 2 a.m. every single night and be a bad sleeper. And it's normal for me to always crave chocolate because my mom always did too. And like you can kind of justify it to yourself. Yes. So you're just like, oh, yeah, it's like this for me. It's like this for my mom. It's like this for my coworkers. So that's what is normal. But that's actually not what's normal. It's common. It's common because you all have it, but it's not normal. And you don't actually know what, I hate the word normal, but how good you could feel until you actually try and dig a little bit deeper and try different things and experiment, cutting out sugar being one of the, the ways to do it. Okay, so that, I like that a lot because, like, normal frig. I, <laughs> everyone's normal is different. Totally, yeah. totally get that. Yeah. But, like, what does sugar actually do in the body? So, um, why, I'm, I guess where I'm trying to go with yeah. this is I, I kind of want to understand what blood sugar is. Okay. Um, so, this is from more of, like, an energetic perspective because a lot of people will talk about don't too much sugar, it's bad for your blood sugar, and people are like, cool, I don't. Cool, I don't know what that actually like means or what yeah. that actually does. So blood sugar is essentially, think of it like this. Anytime that you eat a type of carbohydrate or some something that's going to break down into sugar at the end of the day, once you digest it, the sugar that you eat, it gets digested. The first place it goes is it goes into your bloodstream. Therefore, it's called blood sugar. It's the level of glucose that is present in your bloodstream at one time. Why? Because your bloodstream 
is what decides how much energy needs to go to your cells and your organs so that it can actually work. So that's what blood sugar actually is. If, to give an example, someone is constantly consuming a lot of sugar, knowingly or not knowingly, um, refined carbs, sugar all the time, sweetened products all of the time, they're constantly sending an influx of sugar into their bloodstream all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Your bloodstream only requires a small amount of sugar in it at one given time or one given moment. So there's this, I'll use an analogy, it paints a better picture. There's this little guy called insulin, mm-hmm. which is directly related to your blood sugar. And I think of him as your, your traffic controller. He decides, okay, whole bunch of sugar coming into your bloodstream. We only need X amount right now. So we've got to get rid of the extra stuff. So what your what insulin does is he sends all the extra stuff to your cells to be stored for later on. We don't need it right now. We'll go put it in those cells for later on. We only need what's in her actual bloodstream because she's just sitting at her desk doing work or whatever it is that she's right. doing. I'm doing. Right. Um, so we'll save the excess stuff for later. But then at lunchtime, at snack time, you send more and more and more and more and more and more and more influx into your bloodstream. So it's this constant cycle of overdoing what you need at one time. So insulin is just like, well, we'll just keep storing it. Well, we'll just keep storing it. Well, we'll just keep storing it because I don't need it right now. What happens over time is this little traffic controller, Mr. Insulin, essentially decides, holy smokes, I'm exhausted. You are making me work double time over time. All you do is keep sending blood, uh, sugar into my bloodstream. And like, I'm just, I need to go on a break. Like, I'm out. So you get something called insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity, which essentially means that insulin isn't there to to direct the traffic signals anymore because he's taking a break because you've tired him out because you're constantly eating these sugar-based products or refined foods. So what happens over time is he's not there to actually send, direct the energy where it needs to go. So although you might be intaking a lot of sugar into your bloodstream, that sugar is there then no longer making its way to the cells that actually need the energy. So even though you have a ton of sugar going into your body, insulin's gone on a break, he's not around, so he can't get the energy to go for your cells. So your cells are starving for energy because even though you have a bunch of sugar, they're not getting any energy because insulin's gone on a break. So what they do is they tell you to eat more sugar. So they give you more cravings. We need more. 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 When in reality, you don't. You're like totally, you're totally saturated. But the actual stuff that you're eating is not actually making its way to your cells because of this insulin's on a break, insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity. This is like a, this is the long story short of the longer journey would be getting to something like type 2 diabetes or on that end of the spectrum when like, at that point, you have to take insulin injections because it's just, it's not even working for you because it's gone completely, it's on like a long, it's on vacation. It's not on a break, it's on vacation. So if you have type 2 diabetes, does this mean that you are um, insulin resistant at this point? Like what is type 2 yeah, diabetes? Yeah, that's essentially what it is, is that insulin is not reacting and working for you the way that it should be. Uh, so your cells aren't getting nourished, you're not getting the actual energy that you need, therefore you need to take injections or whatever it might or be. Or like medication of some sort. Medication help balance it out, regulate it. Yeah. So is is that one of the reasons why ty- a symptom of type 2 diabetes or of sh- high blood sugar is that you get so freaking tired? Yes. Totally. So you're tired because your b- cells have no energy. They have no energy. And also... And they don't know how to use... I mean, there's more to it, but they don't know how to use it efficiently. They they have no energy and they when if they were to get it, they wouldn't know how to use it efficiently. So insulin works in direct... Like, it's like a friend to sugar like to blood sugar yeah and in it insulin is a good thing like you need it in a if you're you're eating a well-balanced diet you've figured out your sugar intake all these different things it's there to help you out but if you keep abusing it and making him work overtime in my silly analogy yeah then it's not your friend anymore and it's not helping you it's hurting you okay and so, and too much blood sugar, there's also, I'm not sure if you can speak to this or not, but like there's so many side effects to having high blood sugar, like your organs don't function, brain function, yep. mood, all of these things like um, energy yep. is all related. So for me, when I was oh, in the obese category, so we're talking like 2000 and, 2008 
um, in 2009, actually, I was diagnosed as a pre-diabetic. So what does that mean? It basically means that you're on your way to having your insulin not working for you. You're not quite there yet. Yeah. But uh, you're on your way. So I had had a few blood tests taken because they, like, sometimes it do, you don't, just one blood test doesn't mm-hmm. really give you, like, a pattern. So I remember going a few times and, like, my blood sugar was, like, 5.5. It got up to 6.9 and that was in the morning. So before I'd eaten, I'd been fasted. Yeah, I was fasted. fasted. So yep. there was no food in my system and my blood sugar was, like, a 6.9. And my doctor was like, yeah, you're, you are pre-diabetic yeah. and this is going in a bad direction. So I, like, that was kind of a wake up call for me. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. Like, uh, maybe not the wake up call, but it was definitely part of it. And I essentially, all I did was change my diet. Yeah. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm now at a stable, like I think. It's my blood sugar now is like between three and five fasted, which I think is like in the normal category. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, and we kind of touched, we were talking about this a bit before we started recording, but um, type two diabetes is really, it's really a lifestyle disease is what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that it can completely be managed through lifestyle factors of diet and exercise. Type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes, um, but the name was changed because kids, teenagers, young children, as as, as young as six, seven years old, were now getting this adult onset diabetes. So they had to change the name to call it type 2 diabetes because it is so heavily influenced by lifestyle and diet that it wasn't just adults that were getting it. It was children who were growing up essentially eating just junk food and processed food all the time. So there is like a myth that says eating too much sugar, like eating too much sugar, does it cause diabetes? Like people actually like in that freaking article, I want to <laughs> actually like pull it up. It says, fact, both types of diabetes are caused by a mix of genetics and environmental factors, but a sugary diet cannot directly cause it. So type 1 diabetes is very much uh, uh, genetically linked. Yes. Type 2 diabetes, obviously, uh, you might have some pre-genetic uh, de- disposition, can't talk, uh, to getting it. But it's also, type 2 diabetes is heavily influenced by your environment. So if your mom had it, yes. but you grew up with your mom and you end up eating the way that your mom did... There's a whole other layer of your gut health and gut bacteria that you get from your parents. Yes, there might be that, but can it be managed by changing your life? Okay, I grow up on junky cereal and chocolate bars, but as an adult, I choose to eat healthy, exercise, do all these different things. You can most certainly manage type 2 diabetes. So I would say yes. To your, use an example, yeah. but change your diet you're on your way, you can kind of reroute this. You don't have to go there. I think there is the extreme level of having type 2 diabetes and all of these, I mean, like extreme cases, organ issues, all of those things you kind of mentioned. But before you even get that far, before you even get to the measurements of the levels that you had, there are small day-to-day symptoms or indications that might kind of point you in the direction of like, Okay, you don't you don't have type two diabetes, and you're not necessarily close to it, but you definitely have blood sugar issues yes. um, that could easily be addressed. And day to day things like being tired in the afternoon, for example, that you can actually feel a lot better just by changing your diet, and it's caused by your blood sugar. Okay, but there's like doctors out there that say that type two diabetes is a complicate, like that it's a complication involving like your pancreas or your metabolism, like. There's doctors out there saying that. However, isn't it fascinating how, you know, someone like myself who actually got some information from my doctor, didn't like it and changed my diet. Yep. How I like reversed all the signs of my pre-diabetes. Yeah. 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 Um, People are like into now. So I'm just going to like continue talking here because like. I know people with type 2 diabetes that say, oh, I don't eat sugar. Yeah. I don't eat sugar. And it's like, bullshit. Yeah. 
I'm sorry to call people out, but like yeah. on, I was there and I had to call bullshit on myself and I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how people live in denial and, and, or they just don't care. Yeah. There's a level of like diabetes. ignorance is, ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. It it's is. good yeah. to sit there and be like, this tastes good. I like this. I don't really give a shit what happens. So I'm just going to roll with it. It's easy to justify well, my doctor said that X, so I'm going to take it verbatim, 100% the truth. I'm not going to go look for alternative answers, research anything. That's nonsense. Like, who's yeah. this hippie nutritionist lady trying to tell me yeah. uh, the difference? And I think that you made a really bad point is there are a lot of people who think, well, I'm eating really healthy. I'm yes. not eating a lot of sugar. Um which I used to also think, and we touched on this last time, it's, but it's not the, it's not that I think that just because you have blood sugar to whack or you're on your way to type 2 diabetes or you're overweight that I think that you're sitting at home gorging on a box of cupcakes every night. Like, that's yeah. not all what it is. I actually think that a cupcake has a very welcome place in, like, a good, healthy person's diet. Yeah. It's the other things that you don't recognize are breaking down to sugar at the end of the day in the body when you eat them or that have these hidden sugars. So the, you know, to, to give you a sample day of this is type of thing that I used to do, for example, is you, you're buying your vanilla yogurt for breakfast with your sweetened granola. Mm -hmm. And you don't recognize that that combination, if you look deeper, read the ingredients together has close to 30 grams of sugar. So that's a Mars bar. And then you go and mid morning you have this, quote unquote, healthy granola bar that has another 15 grams of sugar. So now you're at 45 grams of sugar, even though you think it's healthy, yeah. the way that it's the way that it's breaking down in your body, plus the added sugar that's in it is just contributing to it that your salad dressing that you think is healthy with your dried fruit, which has added sugar, your big bowl of pasta, which is all refined flour, which breaks down as sugar at the end of the day with your jarred tomato sauce which actually has added sugar then all of a sudden you've gone through this day thinking that you're eating really healthy and you're genuinely trying because people are genuinely trying um you're genuinely trying you think you do good, good good job and then you add it all up and you look at the added sugars and the refined flours and all these things and all of a sudden you've had 90 grams of sugar and you but you don't actually recognize that you have right and in in that i mean i'm sure you've had a banana yeah and like things that are like natural mm -hmm. which is still, natural for, it's st it still contributes to the sugar it still contributes to the total number and i think that's where people often get um really confused is the difference between refined sugar and natural sugar oh well i'm oh, i only eat natural sugar so i have maple syrup and then i have honey and then i have four pieces of fruit and then i have dried fruit and then i have yeah. some dates and cool, totally all real food, but in the, the context of your overall sugar intake, that still breaks down into sugar at the end of the day. And that volume wise is just way, way too high. Probably one of the most common things that I see, this is more women than men. I also work with more women, so maybe that's why, is, you know, I think I'm eating healthy. So my question is always, yeah. how many veggies are you having and how many cups of veggies are having and how many pieces of fruit you're having? And for the people who are like, I can't lose weight, I can't do this, it's, okay, well, I eat four to five pieces of fruit a day because I have berries, then I have a banana, then I have an apple, and then maybe I get one cup of vegetables. And, like, that simple teeny tiny thing of just flip that on its head, it needs to be the other way around, all of a sudden you cut out 50 grams of sugar, all of a sudden those five pounds that you were trying to lose are all of a sudden gone off of you. Okay, so you said before, like, you just kind of mentioned like at the end of the day, all of a sudden you're having 90 grams yeah. of sugar. So I just like quickly did like a little calculation. Yeah. So just to, so four grams of sugar, we talked about this before, yeah. is four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. Yeah. And a teaspoon is five milligrams. You're so close. Four or grams of sugar is one teaspoon. And for every um, gram of sugar, you eat four calories. Okay. So how, how, how much is a teaspoon? Five milliliter, milligrams? Oh, like by milliliter? I don't know. And oh, then, then I a think tablespoon 15, is 15, 15 milliliters is a tablespoon. tablespoon? Oh, so, I don't know. I can't remember. So it's four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. Yes. So it's five milliliters. Sure. Milligrams. It's five milligrams. Okay. So I just did like a quick like little thing. So 90, if you had 90 grams of sugar, um, 
and you divide that by four, so that's 22.5 teaspoons, 22.5 teaspoons of sugar, which equates to almost half a cup of yeah. sugar. Half a cup of like sugar. physical white sugar. Yeah. Physical white sugar. Yeah. Holy mother. And I'm like, I've done this calculation before. Like doing the keto, keto, you need to consume under 30 grams of sugar. Yeah. And that's in everything. So yeah. like you're you're looking at how much sugar is in like spinach and like green, leafy green vegetables, which you would never think. And like it's really interesting, like to stay in ketosis, you need to be under 30 or around that level. Yeah. Um, but like sugar is literally in everything. So yeah. to stay super low, you have to be eating um like a lot of non-sweet vegetables meats yeah. fish whatever i think one of the that's uh, makes me think something raises a good point i think one of the things that people justify is well you need i have to have carbs like i need them yes. to survive i need sugar i have to have it the reality is is actually not true if i had to completely cut out one group of food or category of food, I can survive without carbohydrates. Interesting. I It's difficult for me to survive and thrive without protein and fat. And I, I used the car analogy last time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. One of the issues with blood sugar and all this stuff is you've kind of got two mechanisms for energy or gas in your gas tank in the body. Your body likes using glucose or carbs yeah. or sugar because it's easy. It doesn't really need to convert it a lot. It's ready-made gasoline. It can be re- used really, really easily. But it actually operates a lot better on sources of fat for energy. So I always reference fat as um, backup energy, okay. if you will. So people are like, oh, I have to have carbs. Like, I need them in my diet. The reality is I don't. One of the issues is that a healthy body should be able to use both of them. So... Steph ate a banana, so we can use that for energy, but she doesn't eat for another four hours, so we've used up all that banana, so we can tap into her body fat stores, or we can tap into the olive oil that she ate in the morning, whatever it is that yeah, I ate. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But if, you do, if you're constantly consuming fruit, sugar, pastry, granola bar, more fruit, dried fruit, it, you kind of train your body out of using that, which is also what perpetuates a cycle of needing more sugar, having more cravings, having more crashes and dips and spikes in energy. Uh, whereas something like ketosis, you're essentially just using fat for energy all the time. Okay, so where does a person start when it comes to their relationship with sugar? Like, uh, I'm sure you've seen a variety of people like from all the way into full denial to like, yeah, maybe like crazy low carb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, cause sugar is essentially in everything yeah. right now. Maybe even like what is sort of a good balance of in- sugar intake, like for the average person? Uh, it's kind of a loaded question. Cause it, there's so many factors, you know, how, okay. how yeah. active are you? Are you an athlete? A lot of people. Yeah can deal with more than other people. For me, like the baseline, um, if I'm getting someone to start and just like, where do we even like begin? Yeah. The baseline for me is you want to use your honey. You want to use your maple syrup. You want to have dried fruit. You want to have fruit, like knock your socks off. I have no issue with any of that stuff. Yeah. All I care about at the beginning is I need you to look at every single thing that you're buying, even the stuff that you are convinced is like the healthiest option because it says it's high in fiber and high in protein and whatever. I need you to look at the ingredients list and find the words ending in OSC, find the straight up word sugar, and I need you to put that back on the grocery store shelf. And if that means at the beginning, I always use yogurt as an example because I think it's easy. You're buying the vanilla, the fruit on the bottom, the heavily flavored like lemon cheesecake yogurt which guys yogurt doesn't taste like that first of all um (laughs) like lemon cheesecake um if that's what you're doing and i'm gonna tell you to buy plain yogurt you're gonna be like that's nasty red i hate that if you have to put two tablespoons of maple syrup in it to make it palatable for you at the beginning go for it i don't care but the reason why i need you to do that is because you can actually manage it you can lower it and decrease it over time and over time your palate changes but you've got to start with the stuff where 
um, just bringing awareness to where is it? Because most people actually don't know where it is. First step, oh, yeah. the first step is awareness. Yeah. And people always say like, I'm crazy because I was like counting calories. I had a phase where I was counting yeah. calories or counting grams of sugar, yeah. counting grams of carbohydrate because those aren't necessarily the same thing yeah. on the label. Yeah. Um, and then, and it, and it is very interesting how the mind, the psyche interprets words like natural flavors. Yeah. Um, low carb. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, packaging and marketing and sugar? Totally. <laughs> I, um, I call them like health claims. Okay. So you're in the aisle and it says the box, the box, the front of the box says all of the right things. It says high in fiber. It says source of omega-3. It says high in protein. It says all natural. It says all of these different words. So you're looking at that thinking like, yeah, this is amazing. This yeah. is the one that I need. Yeah. We talked about that. Cause like popsicle brands, a popsicle brand that yeah. says contains real fruit made with real fruit is oh, yeah. the, the biggest thing. So someone's going, well, I'm not going to get the fudgicles. Because that's whatever, whatever the worst ice cream thing is, the ice cream sandwich or whatever. I'm going to get these fruit pops because they're made with real fruit. So And I've totally done that. I've been like, totally. oh, that, that looks like... I used to do this too. This yeah. is one of the first changes I made. I was like, I'm not going to get like the okay. junk food, like frozen treat or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to get these made with real fruit ones. Yeah. Which to me is actually a good first step. It's awareness, right? It's yeah. like knowing this is the worst option. So what's the second worst option is essentially what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Well, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because you have to, like, it's all part of the learning process. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's all part of the learning process. But to use that example of, I buy these strawberry kiwi made with real fruit popsicles. Yeah, there's probably, you know, a strawberry and a kiwi in there. So they can write made with real fruit. Mm-hmm. But when you dig deeper and you go and look at the ingredients to go to your original point, it's the first ingredient on the box is high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Well, like, cool. It's made with strawberries and kiwis, but it's got these other 17 ingredients that I don't even know what they are. And they're real wacky outside of just sugar. It's got all sorts of other stuff in it. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I joke that awareness is the first step, but I, I, before you even, I mean, before you're even going to the grocery store and looking at labels and all this stuff, it's important to recognize like, these are the things that are happening to me on a daily day-to-day basis that are actually impacted by my diet because that's like most people don't even put that together. We talked about that yes. last time. Yes. And specifically from sugar, some of the biggest signs that it's affecting you negatively are that if you constantly crave sweets, yeah, like you always that's really simple. You constantly crave them, probably your blood sugar is disrupted. If when you miss a meal, you get quote unquote hangry or you're irritable. Yes. Or you can't go more than two hours without yes. eating. Huge sign that you're addicted to sugar and your blood sugar's out of whack. Yes. You get brain fog. So you're at the you're at your computer trying to work and all of a sudden you just feel like you have trouble concentrating. Yeah. That one's a really big one. Waking up during the middle of the night. So you have no problem falling asleep, but I wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. all the time. I'm Ugh, up for an hour. That's like my freaking yeah. life right now. That's a huge Damage. sign. Part of that being is that you haven't eaten in so long that your blood sugar is crashing, so it's trying to wake you up because okay. it's like we need energy. Um, if you um, constantly feel like you're hungry, like you eat something and it doesn't satisfy you, so you need to eat another serving. You have one bowl of pasta and then you need to go have a slice of bread and then you have to have some toast later on. And it's just like you constantly feel like you're hungry. Um, feeling sleepy all, all a lot of the time or having that afternoon crash. Yeah. And then kind of feeling anxious for no particular reason. Uh, just like you're stressed, you feel anxious, you don't know what it is. Those are some of the biggest symptoms. Okay, that like definitely speaks to me because like I have all of those symptoms. I'm aware that like I have a sugar addiction. I have like a really interesting, I know like, yeah, my blood sugar is like stable according to like the medical yeah. community. If I went and got my blood sugar tested tomorrow, I'd probably be like stable, but I'm not. Like I, I <laughs> I'm not stable. I'm not stable. <laughs> no, but because... I do have an ongoing issue or I can mask it or like be really good for a couple of days and then go get tested. But like in the big picture of this whole thing, like definitely I'm one of those people that like I can recognize those symptoms. I have all of those things. Yeah. 100%. I think whether you, you hear those and you go, oh man, I have all eight of those or yeah. nah, I only 
have one or two of them. Like, guess what? One or two of them still matters. Like, if I look yes. at my story, craving sweets, getting hangry, being irritable between meals, and getting tired in the afternoon, those are three things. But for me, they happen every day, all of the time. Yes. And... So it's like, mic check, like... Yeah, that was like, my, my normal. Yeah. But I was like, I just get tired in the afternoon. And yeah. I'm just, haha, my girlfriend used to make fun of me. You're really hangry. It wasn't until I started to understand, strip things back. And I was like, whoa, that was weird. Like, yeah. how did I think that was just like the way it was supposed to happen? I know, because it's almost like they market hangry now as being funny. Like, the, or like the being, Snickers commercial. Yeah, or yeah. like the Mars, whatever. Is <laughs> what it Snickers? Snickers? Yeah, I don't like, know, one of them. Yeah. Like, the guy, yeah. he turns into the old lady or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like a term that's like just thrown out there and it's like people's normal. Yes. But like, so it paints this picture that like, haha, happens to everyone. This is why. It's because you need something like a treat or something to hold you over. When, like, I mean, you go back, we are very fortunate, especially North America, that we can eat as frequently as we do. Yes. And have accessible food at essentially every hour with, like, Uber Eats, convenience stores, as things are open 24 hours. Yes. The human body is meant, like, we are designed, we have evolved yes. through thousands of years to be able to go long periods of time without food. Like, now people are like, Oh my god, you didn't eat for five hours. Oh my god, you haven't eaten in a, like all day and it's nighttime or whatever. Like, we say it like it's a bad thing, uh-huh. which is like actually kind of ludicrous because that's actually pretty normal. And you should be able to go long periods of time without eating comfortably. Like, yeah. we get rid of all the grocery stores. I gotta go hunt for my food. Well, I hope I can do it for a couple days because I gotta figure out how to. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to hunt. Like, you should be able to go long periods of times. Having food readily accessible is like a, having food readily accessible is very much a new phenomenon. Our food has evolved in the past hundred years, leaps and bounds. The human body has not. Right. The human body is further behind. Our body still works like it did in the, I'm going to throw yours out there, I'm not yeah. a paleontologist or whatever, like it did in the 1500s, 1600s, but our food has gone so far. Yeah, it's not even direction. food. Like we talked it's about, not even food. it's not even food. It's like just something. Yeah, it's just like it's food-like products. Yeah, it's it's food-like it's, products. It's, it's got some things in it that resemble food. A lot of the things that we eat, but like a lot of it's not real food. And almost everything has sugar. Yeah, <laughs> almost everything does. It's like, the it's the sugar, the fat, the salt. All of it tastes amazing. So not only does it have all the sugar in it, but it tastes so good. That Lay's commercial, you can't just eat one, right? Like, I can't have one Sour Patch Kid. I need to have the whole bag. It's almost Easter. I can't have one mini egg. I need to eat the family size package, right? Because it's so stimulating that once you start, it's so hard to to stop. I, I do have a few people in my life that are, I guess, stable in their diets. They, like... Sometimes I go out for dinner with my girlfriends and, like, I'll eat, like, something will be so delicious. I'll eat the whole plate. I'll, like, want to lick the plate. (laughs) And, like, my girlfriends will have the exact same thing and they'll be like, I'm done. And they, like, push their, you know, three quarters of a finished plate off to the side. And they're just like, how do you just stop eating? You and I will go out and eat and just lick our plates. (laughs) (laughs) We're there. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, okay, well, those people, like, people that are full when they get full they can just stop eating mm-hmm. they're like a stable well balanced body is that what that is i mean that type of as much as that can be linked to um like chemical reactions in the body from the thing that you eat i also think a lot of that stuff is behavior yeah and a lot of that is inherently learned from family parents okay that type of mentality uh i I've been working with a mother recently and we've been having really interesting conversations about kids and kind of teaching them these healthy, I hate the word relationship because you don't date food, but yeah, it kind of is like a healthy relationship with food. Um, This idea of finish what's on your plate before you can have dessert, like eat all of that. You know, you need to eat that whole thing. So if that, that's how I grew up, it was not a bad thing. It's not like my mom was yeah. doing something oh, wrong. I, I it's just like this idea of like, you got to eat all of this thing before you have that thing or eat everything on your plate before you get up from the table or you have to eat your entire breakfast, whatever it is. 
which is actually in reality totally backwards because right from childhood we're teaching kids to ignore their natural hunger cues okay like we have we are essentially primal animal we do we are born with natural hunger cues a baby knows when it wants to eat and when it's done breastfeeding like we know that right yeah uh, but as we get older, we start putting these things up. You have to eat all of that before you get up. So we, we are kind of trained from a very early age, not everyone, but some people, to ignore those totally natural hunger cues when if you have a kid, you probably know that like they're not going to starve themselves. When they're hu- genuinely hungry, they're going to come up and be like, Mom, I need to have a snack. Mm-hmm. And when they don't want to eat whatever you gave them at lunchtime, it's actually not the end of the world. Right. It's, that's a good point. It yeah. is not. Okay, but at the same time, I guess we're teaching kids how to eat their entire plate of shit. Yes. Full of sugar. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So not only are you teaching them to ignore their hunger cues, but yeah. a lot of times we're doing it with food that is like these food-like nonsense like high products. Processed high processed, high processed, like- refined flours, refined carbs, added sugar, all of these different things. So not only are we telling them to or- ignore their hunger cues... But we're hijacking the yeah. palates. We're hijacking all of the triggers and um, symptoms in their body. Oh, so that's fascinating to me. I mean, so we're starting with awareness. We're starting with reading our packaging. Yep. Um, and then, like, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's like thinking, "Ooh, this sounds like me. It sounds like I'm eating too much sugar." Like, what, I don't know, what advice do you give people with that? Like, cold turkey, cut things out, like... Yeah, we joked about this last time about how kind of you you went cold turkey and I was more like, I'll ease myself into that. I, anytime I work with any of my one-on-one online clients, rather, I always ask them, like, straight up, what is your approach? Like, how do you approach things? What works for you? I'm like a, a rebel type thing. So as soon as you tell me that I can't have something, I want it. I yeah. want it so bad. I'm be like, screw you. I'm going to go have it kind of thing. So like knowing the way that, and not just the food, the way that I operate with anything, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so there are some people where they're like, yeah, let's do this cold turkey. I've got to do this. I have to jump in with two feet or it's not going to work for me. So yeah. we take that approach. It's rip it off like a Band-Aid. Anything that's in your house has got to go, give yeah. it to your husband, give it to your coworkers, like get it away from you. Yeah. Really creating an environment that works works for you. Yeah. There's other people who also like to go a bit slower because they want to they wanna learn and they want to understand. So like there's an element of like skepticism. We're like, I hear what you're saying, yeah. but like I need you to like teach me and coach me through this a little bit longer. So it's the, okay, go through your pantry, tell me what you find. Next time you go to the grocery store, look at the things that you would typically buy. Um, and it's not, to, and it, there's not, it's not to say that you can never have these things again for the rest of your life, but it's painting a picture of, okay, what do you have going on this week? Yeah. Well, Tuesday, I have a baby, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Saturday, I have a baby shower and uh, front uh, Sunday, we're going to this brunch or whatever it is. So like knowing that like, okay, that's kind of where I want to do my thing, eat what I want, not overthink it. Cause this is a hard process for me. So the other Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever days are left. I've got to kind of put in the work mm-hmm. so that I can enjoy those moments, indulgences. Uh, and it's actually not a big deal. Right. Uh, and that's the old, ult- the ultimate goal for me is to try and get people to a place where, and this is like, this is not like a week, like this takes time, but you're in a place where you're at an event and there is a plate of cookies in front of you and the little voice in the back of your head isn't telling you like, oh my God, I have to eat all of those. Like you can totally comfortably pick one up, eat it, turn around. It's not a big deal. It doesn't become this huge like mental game that you're playing with yourself when you're trying to talk to the person next to you. Absolutely. Like there has been countless times in my life where I'm looking at that damn cookie and all I can think about is eating it. Yeah. It is insane. But then when you go, like for me, when I was in keto and I was like basically very low carb, very no sugar, that never happened. Yeah. It's so interesting how just one ingredient, cutting it out of my diet, like changes like everything from my body. For sure. Like great changes in my body to my clarity of mind, to my cravings, to my energy, like yeah. all of these things. I know how bad sugar affects my body now. 
But it's just like, yeah, how do how do people get started? And I think I think too a lot of people often think of dietary changes or cutting out sugar directly related to weight loss. Okay. So if I'm not heavily overweight, I don't need to do this. I'm the I'm yes I'm thin or whatever. I don't really care about my weight. Yes. But that's cool. That's whatever. But like, there's it's it's gonna impact you in so many other physical ways. There are for sure something, and it's kind of like you've got to find that for each person. Is like, what is the thing that's not great for you right now? Like, yes. are you always a raging bitch when you get home to your work from your husband, home yeah. from work to your husband because your blood sugar is out of whack? Well, yeah, you might be a size whatever, and that's cool with you, but. How about we fix that? Like, how much cooler would that relationship be? How much cooler if it would be if you aren't tired when your kids want to go play at the park? How much cooler would it be if you could sleep through the night every single night and wake up refreshed? Like, yeah. it's not always just about weight. And I think that as you, it's like every commercial is about lose weight, blah, 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 all these different things. Yeah. But there's so many other, like, wins that you can get or goals that you can work on that are completely unrelated to weight loss. Okay, so... I kind of wanted to touch into weight loss um, today. However, we're kind of running out of time. But this weight loss is like such a massive subject that we should talk about it again. Love it. How to lose weight. And I definitely want to talk about my story on how I lost all my weight too. So that would be a really cool thing to talk about. However, just to wrap everything up, um, you offer a program. It's called, it used to be called the Real Food Reset. Yeah. And now it's called Red's Reset. Red's Reset. Red's Reset because my nickname is Red yes. and it's a, it's a food reset. It's a four-week online program that I offer. I really designed it to be an education tool um, and a way to teach people. So it's not this, here's a 30-day detox. It's actually 28 days. 28-day detox and just follow this blindly. It's uh, okay, over the course of these 28 days, I'm going to teach you all of these different pieces of the puzzle, make you understand, help you put yeah. things together in your own life. Um, yeah, I, I, I say the slogan is that it makes real food work for real life in a realistic way. So the next one starts on April 30th and registration actually opens this Thursday, which is uh, March 29th. Yeah, March 29th. So yeah, very exciting. Okay, so this is an online program. Yeah, fully online. Uh, everything is done via video, via email, um, via webinar. There's a live webinar to kick things off. So yeah, everything's online. So it's really for anyone, anywhere who's looking to make changes to their diet, whether they're in the very first stages and they're freaked out about all the sugar things I just said, <laughs> or they're a little bit further along in their journey and they need some tools to take it to the next level because they're kind of plateauing or stuck or just want to learn more about food um, in general. Okay, that's amazing. Like I, okay, so your approach to all of this stuff, to this subject is so um, relatable. It's you like humanize all of these scientific things. You've taken all the things you've learned and you've <clears throat> really like broken it down so that everyday people can really understand. Like when I have conversations about food with you, I love it because I can relate to it. It's not like you're you know, sticking your nose up saying, I know everything about everything. It's like, <laughs> well, I do. Well, you kind of, well, you <laughs> kind of, totally joking. It's, not, it's like a snobby, like, yeah. this is the way it is. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's yeah. like very like, um, you take everything into consideration, which I think is like amazing. Even talking about sugar today, there's, there's, I guess like no right or wrong answer. There's no definitiveness to it outside of the fact that too much is a problem. Yeah, I think I think that that's where a lot of people are con that's what confuses a lot of people because they yeah. think there's a definitive right or wrong answer. Yeah. And it's very black and white, but yeah. it's not. There's so yeah. many people who live different lives from different backgrounds, like there's so many factors. You need the foundational information. Yes. And then from there you can kind of slice the pie any way that you want to, but it's the foundation which is what I'm trying to give people of this is real food. This is what it looks like. How you want to deviate from there, you can kind of do that on your own. I love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait to get into this weight loss conversation. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Until next time. Okay. <laughs> 
Thank you, Steph, for another great episode. I love talking food with you. I always learn so much. It's so cool. If you would like to learn more about Red Reset or get any information on Stephanie, just go to her website at www.kaynutrition.com. That's K-A-Y nutrition.com. Or follow her on the gram at, at Stephanie K Nutrition. Thanks again for tuning in. I love you all. Have a lovely day, everyone. Until next time.